Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, you lovely parents out there in the radio land. This is Richard, and this is Linda. How are you this week? Um, here on the Wasatch Front, you've had a lot of guck and snow and rain and about every kind of weather you could want. And we have not been on the, well, I guess you have been on the Wasatch Front, Linda. We divided and conquered this week. I went, I got the, uh, I'm, we must have flipped the coin and I must have won because I went to speak to a parenting group in Phoenix where it was 81 degrees and Linda hung around here and spoke to a group in soupy old Salt Lake City where it was zero degrees and you could hardly breathe. Well, I think I won though because these 82 fabulous women were talking about dreams. Their dreams and whether whether or not they accomplished their dreams, and so. Wait, you mean they were analyzing their dreams from the nighttime? No, <laughs> they. Um, oh, their dream dreams, their dream, their goals, their aspirations. Exactly. Their right. visions. You talked about Ouch. what um, what we wanted to do, and we before we got married, and then what happened, and and what track we were on as far as accomplishing dreams, and then. We realized that actually we're living our dreams. If we had children at home, that was a dream too, and it That's really. That's a bad was dream. Hard. Sometimes it's a nightmare. Some days are a nightmare, true, but most days are a really great dream. In fact, I don't know which one you want to do first. Well, see, it's interesting, Linda, because that just shows the difference in our personalities. We get split up, and you start talking about dreams and visions and all these ethereal, beautiful, whimsical things. And I I go down to Phoenix and I talk about the five practical steps to improve your marriage. <laughs> I didn't have any dreams at all. I was talking about cold, hard reality. Yeah, but that's a dream too. I mean, you know, to be married, think about it. We have a single daughter who whose biggest dream in life is to be married well, and to she have wants, children. Yeah, mainly she wants a baby. <laughs> mainly, yeah. Um, but there is an order, usually, sometimes. Anyway, um, it really is interesting to see that now she's kind of stepping into her dream because she's dating somebody that she really likes. By the way, Linda, there is an order. You're right. Have you ever heard the old poem? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the baby carriage. But we've lost track of that order in our society, haven't we? In fact, just to throw a little dust on the fire to start off this week, did you know that we've passed a milestone in this country, and it's a really bad one, slightly more than half of the children now being born in the U.S. of A. are born out of wedlock. That's either to single moms or to cohabitating couples or to whatever, but can you imagine that? I mean, that's the deterioration of marriage in this country, and we were thinking about something kind of ironic the other day. I'm just going to say it and let Linda make a comment or two on it. It's Think of the irony that uh, the gay rights movement is fighting so hard for the right, the privilege, the honor of getting married and society at large, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to be political here, and I'm not trying to come down on some side of an issue. I'm just saying there's an irony that one entire movement is fighting, fighting, fighting for the privilege, the honor of marriage, and 
society at large is kind of throwing it away, saying, who needs it? We we hear people all the time saying things like, I don't need a piece of paper to prove I'm committed or that I'm in love. I don't need a ceremony to 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 demonstrate that I want to be with a person. I can just be with them. And man, oh man, it is taking the commitment out of marriage. Sorry, Linda, got a little soapbox there. Oh, that's right, because it really is true. Um, we really um, are saddened by that statistic because it's just so important to have a child. I mean, when you have a marriage, usually you have a child, although that's the other statistic that's a little scary, and that is that so many people are deciding not to have children. It's too much trouble. It takes too much of their time. It takes their freedom, all their financial um yeah, income and all so many issues that they don't want to deal with, so they're just not doing it, which is so sad because, you know, the hard things we do in life are the things that bring us the most joy. In fact, if you want to read a really, really good uh, little column, a little editorial, we like, we, we like most, not all, we like most of what David Brooks, the New York Times columnist said, and he did a column sometime within the last month on, on just what you're saying, Linda, that we've come to value our options, our freedom, our individuality, our, 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 our individual rights so much in this country that we will not sacrifice for them. In other words, we want to keep all our options open, and the minute you start making commitments, you start closing off your options. And so that's sort of the cycle of thought that he blames the fact that fewer and fewer people are actually getting married. Probably everyone that's listening Linda, wants to get to your subject of dreams, but since we've started out on marriage, let me say a little more about what I said down in Phoenix and get your input in on it. Um, this group had invited me especially to speak to, it's an interesting group because they were, they were virtually everyone in the room was between 35 and 45. And they were they they had voluntarily decided to start having these marriage uh, this marriage uh, gathering because so many of their peers were at that age in life really struggling with their marriages and many divorces and many separations and so on and, and you know I guess it is a hard time statistically uh, there's a lot of pressure on marriages as the kids are growing up as the moms now have a little more time to on their own, maybe they go to the gym, they start getting in shape, they start looking better, they start feeling better about themselves, maybe they want more than they've had, maybe their expectations go up in some way. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a marriage counselor, and I don't expect to know all the, the whys and wherefores, but I, I did. I felt like the thing that we all needed to discuss, and it turned out that they really wanted to discuss this, is what are the things you must communicate about in a marriage? What are the things, if you don't communicate about them openly and often, you're going to have trouble? And it turns out they're the same five things that are the five most common causes of divorce. And most of you know what those are. One is finances. One is sex or, or human intimacy. One is parenting styles. One is beliefs and faith. And the other one is goals and aspirations in the career and so on. And we talked about how if you, you don't ever take for granted, you don't say, well, I think she knows all about what I think on this. You talk, 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 talk about each of those five areas. 
until you feel like you're getting to be on the same page. And you do it often, and you might have to set certain times to do it, right, honey? Yeah, in fact, I think I'm kind of lucky because I have a husband that does talk. I think most husbands don't like to talk. They'd rather watch football. Um, Nothing against husbands or anything. Or football. uh, Or football, but uh, it really is hard to get a husband engaged. And how do you do that um, when sometimes we think he should be the leader? How do you get him engaged as a wife who really wants to talk but no dice? Well, I, what I did down there is I committed and I said, look, how many of you will make a resolution? We're still early in the year that you will talk frequently. And, and by, it's funny, the objections, you know, like talk about sex and human intimacy. And, and, and you know, I, we, we had a pretty good atmosphere there. Looked quite a lot of trust and people were raising their hands and saying, well, why do you have to talk about that? I mean, what, you know, what, what, what Actually, what they were saying, I don't mean to make anyone's face turn red, but they were sort of saying, why talk about it? Just do it. And I, and I was trying to explain that, they, you know, these things need discussion. They need verbal discussion. People need to talk a lot about in empathetic ways. What are you feeling? What does this do? What do you need? What are you thinking? And, and of course, that has to be an open area of discussion, as does... Finances. It's amazing. We did a little study with them there, and it's amazing how how many of them have separate accounts, separate finances, separate money, and the other one doesn't even really know what the other person has. And you're heading for trouble when you're not open about finances. And the same thing with parenting. It's amazing how many people have a little, well, she's the strict one and I'm the lead. I mean, I'm sure there's roles you can play, but the bottom line is, those five things, you've just got to talk, 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 talk until you get them all worked out or at least get close to each other. Our culture is getting so complicated. I mean, um, years ago when my parents were young, um, they would no more talk about sex probably than fly to the moon. But now it's so different because our biggest problem with marriages right now is pornography which is so ironic because we still it's still very difficult to talk about intimate things with your own partner, and yet there is this pornography thing going on that is so scary. Yeah, one of the, on the more positive side, one of the things we talked about that I thought was sort of more pleasant to talk about than trying to browbeat people into talking about certain things that maybe they don't want to, and that was we ought to talk more about our faith. We... Uh, we ran into um, a counselor, a mentor, many, many years ago who suggested that we have a little testimony meeting with, with just the two of us every Sunday where we would talk about our beliefs and sort of share our feelings, our, our spiritual feelings with each other as well as our emotional feelings. And it, it seems a little odd. A lot of a lot of people in, in their individual churches do something that some faiths, the, the Mormon faith, for example, calls the bearing of testimonies, and someone will stand up and speak to a, a congregation about their faith and their beliefs and so on. But it seems a little funny to some people to do that to one other person, so it's sort of like a two-person meeting almost, but it's a powerful way of sharing your deepest feelings, your deepest emotional and spiritual feelings, and it's not a bad idea to do it. We... we 
we try to do that every Sunday simply because it's a time to clear things. In fact, I'll be honest, you know, we, we used to get advice from people, never let the sun set on a disagreement. Well, we were staying up all night. I mean, we couldn't resolve everything a lot. during the day. <laughs> so we kind of fudged and said, never let the weekend without resolving those issues. So Sunday, our little meeting together, our little bearing of our souls, so to speak, is where we get things worked out that have built up during the week. And there usually is one or two things, I must say, honey. Uh, for me, at least. Um, I <laughs> I do uh, kind of save up sometimes and say, you know, you, and you have to do the sandwich method, you know, start out with saying you're such a great guy and I love you and all that. But this, you did something this week that really hurt my feelings, and you probably should know about it. And this is what it was. And then I say, but, 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 and no, it just really, you hurt my feelings. And so finally he comes around saying, gee, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. So um, those those bad feelings, if you just bury them forever, we love Stephen Covey's old quote: "Bad feelings never die; they just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms." Yeah, it's a good one. It's so true. I find myself getting mad at Richard for just some small thing when what I'm really mad about is something that happened earlier. Before we before we go to break, let me tell you one thing I learned. There was a couple down there that said the best thing they'd ever done was the simplest thing, and that's that they now insist on going to bed at the same time. Uh, that's where they get their talking done in their in their world and. They said when one was going to bed earlier and then the other one later, they were missing that key communication time. And that one adjustment made a big, big difference to them. So when we come back, we'll maybe mention a couple more things on marriage, and then we'll shift to living your dreams as a mother. to say that um, that music is kind of funny. It sounds like it's floating along on our on the road. Fires on the oh road. God. Ding, 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 ding. Anyway, um, we do, oh, there we go, they're going to give it to um, We do really think that this uh, topic of marriage is so important, and one thing we didn't talk about last session is sharing, and they're the last, in the first half, is sharing your goals. I mean, how often do you really sit down and say, this is what I want to do? And um, I'm sure often people do that, but as far as at the first of the year, uh, January 1st, you get out a notebook and say, this is what I want to accomplish this year, and then do you revisit it as a couple? Um, I know you do if you're an independent soul and are wanting to do specific things, but it's really important to revisit that often. You know, a lot of studies show that uh, when people think of goals, setting goals or having dreams, um, they, they generally think of that as an individual pursuit. Those are my goals and my dreams as an individual, as a, as a person who is a single entity, even if they're married, even if they have a family, they tend to think of goals as, well, I need to lose weight or I need to you know, get a promotion at work, or I need to 
you know, uh, do this or that. And, and of course, individual goals are important. And, of course, uh, you know, they, they tend to motivate us and to catapult us along. But what about our goals for our families and for our marriage and for the kind of communication and the kind of progress we want to make? Some people are a little befuddled by that. They're like, well, you can't measure that. I mean, you can't. It's not like, you know, earning a certain amount of money or losing a certain amount of pounds or something truly measurable. Well, it is measurable if you think about it long enough and if you establish some benchmarks and some things you want to achieve. And if you really want to get serious about it, try writing a description together or separately of the type of communication and trust level you want to have between yourselves in a marriage because by thinking hard about that and trying to itemize it or communicate it in words you begin to understand what needs to happen to move from where you are now to where you want to be um i think we touched on all five of those things haven't we uh, we talked about how important it is to know what's going on financially we just know so mar- many marriages that are in trouble because the husband's involved in something the wife may not know whether it's gambling or whether it's um, buying things that she's just not aware of or vice versa um, there are so many marriages that uh, split up because of money issues and so it's just so important to talk about it I think if you know you're on the same page, you're working towards the same thing, it's a lot easier than if you're totally just hanging out there doing your best. I just finished playing tennis with a good friend of mine who does a lot of investing and a lot of um, stock trading and so on. But uh, I'm just guessing that, I won't mention any names, but I'm guessing they probably talk about it quite a lot and they're on the same page. And that's that's what we need to strive for. The same thing with parenting methods. I mean... This is not something where you want to delegate and say, well, you're in charge of the kids. You just let me know if you need any help and so on. I mean, it's got to be a joint effort. And here's the funny thing. Linda preaches this quite a lot, that if if you're, you know, one thing that will always bring two people closer to each other is when they're working together on a common project. That always brings people closer together. Well, what's a better common project than your kid, than your, your children? And and when you're saying, you know, what do we do about Billy? What do we do about Sally? How do we, what are are we seeing there? What are the good things? What are the bad things? What are the potential things that could go wrong? How do we deal with them? Uh, You know, we've said on the show before, we we try to go out together once a month and have a thing that we call... A five-facet review. And in in that period of time, we just take a little notebook and we go through each of the kids' five facets. Um, how are they doing physically, socially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Just a minute on each of those. And sometimes you say, fine, fine, fine. Oops, not so fine. This child is very emotional. What can we do about his temper outbursts or temper tantrums and so on? And then you're, you're working on it together as a partnership. That is just so important. And so that is something we really suggest. It's kind of a win-win situation when you think of it, Linda, because you're you're out there working together on on a problem one of your children has or an aspiration you have for one of your kids, and you're brainstorming, you're trying to think how to do it, you're deciding who will do what, you're sort of teaming up on it. But guess what? As you do that, 
what could you be doing more meaningful in terms of strengthening your own marriage than that sort of working together collective effort on one of those children? So just to transition from this onto the wonderful gathering that we had with these 82 women mentioned at the first of the show, um, it, we, it was brought about by Whitney Johnson, who just published a book called Dare, Do, Dream, Do. Dare, Dream, Do. She has a website called uh, Dare to Dream and has people just write in about the things that they're doing that are fulfilling their dreams. And I think sometimes we forget about our dreams. We get caught in the minutia of the day-to-day, and it's just so hard. So our kids come along and we say, well, we can't pursue our dreams anymore. They take up all our time. Yeah, which a lot of people do. But um, we were all so inspired. Um, We got into small groups. Um, circle of chairs and talked about what dreams we had before we were married and then what happened to those dreams and then which dreams you put on the back burner and then really the bottom line we came out with with all those young mothers who were about the same age as well from probably 25 to 40 um, was that we are living our dream we really are in many ways and it's hard to recognize because it's so darn hard um, it's a comedy sometimes. It is hilarious. One of our daughters did a blog post this week about Christmas, and she's a little slow doing that and she um, on purpose. But um, she had the funniest post about getting up in the middle of the night. She put the stockings in their room so that they wouldn't bother them until 7 in the morning. But she heard them at 3 a.m., and they're just bouncing off the walls. And she went in and got furious at them when they were mad at each other and crying and here it was Christmas morning and she said it was it was just totally a failure but then she said finally she sent one of the kids to sleep with her husband and she slept on the top bunk and so that she could keep him calm and when you look back at that it is hilarious but when you're in the midst of it it's not exactly your dream of how you thought Christmas was going to be by the way before you I know Linda's got something really cool to read to you but I a lot of you are probably saying, wow, that sounds like a great session. How do we get in on those? Let, let me just mention and remind you that there's two websites that you, we think you ought to be checking regularly as a parent. One is called Power of Moms. And, and this was actually sponsored by Power of Moms. And they've just done their own book called Deliberate Motherhood, which is wonderful. So Power of Moms, all com. And then the other one is our website, valuesparenting.com, where you usually find if there was a meeting or a parenting seminar in your area. So anyway, Linda, you are, I've always thought that you were kind of an idealist, and so this was kind of tailor-made for you because you're talking about dreams. Well, it is, and I started out by saying that my dream, first of all, was to travel the world. I thought, I'm not getting married until I'm 28. Remember those days? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not getting married until I'm 28. Richard talked me out of it, and I got married when we were 22, and by the time I was 28, I had four children. So uh, that that was a dream. That we don't recommend that for everyone. We don't recommend that, but it really was an amazing thing. But then I thought, well, my dream then, if I can travel, is to have... Ten children. I thought, that would be great. That would be so fun to have ten children. I really felt dedicated to that goal. That's a dream most people don't have anymore. No, that's true. And then we got to nine, tried and tried, couldn't get number ten there. And then when we got to the end of number nine, I thought, oh, phew, I could not have done ten. I could not have done one more. But anyway. Well, if we'd had that number nine one first, she'd have been an only child. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> You've got it. But, you know, we were talking about uh, Theodore Roosevelt's 
famous quote, which all of our kids have memorized. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but it's like this. In the battle of life, it's not the critic who counts, not the woman who points out how the strong woman stumbled or where the doer of the deed could have done better. The credit belongs to the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood. And I think that you can't have a better description of motherhood than that. And you are in the arena. Keep going. Who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. And who, at best, in the end, the triumph feels the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, if she fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew victory or defeat. And I just think that is so good. We need to realize we're in the arena, whether, um, you know, Whitney Johnson writes for the Harvard Business Review all the time and is publishing books and so on, whether you're in that arena or when you're in, whether you're in the potty training arena, it's hard, and it's something that we have to really work out to accomplish our dreams. But it's just so important. It really was a fun evening. Everybody just felt a fire in the room about, yes, we're going to do better. And you know, I just want to throw another thought, and we'll do a whole show on this at some point, but um, uh, on the radio today in, in, in the educational NPR station here in Salt Lake City, there was a an author I've been interested in because the name of his book is so intriguing. It's called uh, Selfish Reasons to Have More Children. And then the subtitle is Why It's Not As Hard As You Think and Much More Fun Than You Think to Raise Children Today. And it's just sort of this backlash book about how, hey, you know, everyone's going to tell you how hard it is and how expensive it is and how horribly you know, stirring out you're going to be in. You couldn't possibly have more than one or two children. You'd be crazy and on and on. This guy, he, he just basically says, hey, go for it because it's a lot of fun. That's our message to you. And, Families are fun. And marriage is fun. It really is. Not every day in every way, but it is so worth it. Hard, but worth it. So. Hey, see you next week on Ayers on the Road.